1: Now, perhaps one of the best places, therefore, for us to turn as we begin our study of the Christian doctrines is to give attention to the early creeds of the church.
0: The creeds of the church are those attempts by man to put into words the fundamental, the foundational beliefs of the church as understood from the teaching in the Bible. There are several, the Apostles' Creed, the Creed of Nicaea, which is different from the Nicene Creed. And then the Chalcedonian Creed, we'll hear about all of them in this series about doctrines from Pastor Leighton Sheely of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. I'm Mike Trout, and this is a broadcast entitled Study Verse by Verse.
1: Once formulated, these doctrines are often expressed in a form of catechism or creed or confession, Every Christian denomination expresses its belief in some doctrinal form, and every individual Christian needs to have an understanding of Christian doctrine in order to give an answer or a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. You know, most Christians do systematic theology every week, and and we don't even realize that we're doing it. For example, if you say the Bible says that everyone who believes in Jesus Christ will be saved or the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the only way to God, or the Bible says that Jesus Christ is coming again, these are summaries of what the Bible teaches, and as such, they are systematic theological statements. Every time a Christian says something about what the Bible says, they are, in a sense, doing systematic theology. Now, the seriousness of being errant in our doctrine or having a bad systematic theology can be compared to a rocket being aimed off target. Just one degree off target can make a major difference between landing on the moon or going for a very long space ride. Now, at first, one degree may not seem like an awful lot, but accumulates over time. And so it is with false doctrine. It might seem like a small little thing at first, but unless it's corrected... It will go farther and farther off track. It gets compounded with time. I can remember a number of years ago, I had the privilege of flying on one of those dinky little airplanes. And uh, I, got, I was so close, I could see what the pilot was doing. And the pilot was just constantly fiddling with this dial and that dial and looking at his maps and things like that. And I asked him what he was doing. He says, I'm making course corrections. So we end up where we're supposed to. Because of the variations and things like that. It's, it's important for us to be always available to make course corrections when we're off course. It's important for us to remain humble and teachable, to reconsider what we think we know in light of Scripture. And when we discover we're in, when we're in error, then we need to be willing to change. I can remember my dad passed away last year in ministry for 60 years, had an immense library. 15,000, I think, volumes in it. He read most of those, well-read, knew his Bible. And yet, he was always open for being refined in what he believed. I can remember even just a few years before he passed away, him saying, Son, you know, I always thought this passage was talking about this, but now I'm convinced it's talking about this. You know, he was always searching the Scriptures to find truth, even if it meant proving himself wrong. And we need to be humble and willing to seek truth first. You know, every one of us believes that what we believe is right, that it's true and that it's correct. But humility and wisdom recognizes that humans are fallible, that we are fallible, that we might be in error. And when we talk with others on these secondary matters of the church and they differ with us, then we need to uh, be in an act of humility, in an attitude of humility, and listen to what they say and evaluate our perspectives uh, and see if our perspectives hold up in light of Scripture. That's in the secondary matters of doctrine, not in the core doctrines. In those, we simply must hold to what the Bible uh, says. And if we're struggling with that, then we need to uh, uh, talk with a pastor or an elder of the church. A.W. Tozer wrote, It would be impossible to overemphasize the importance of sound doctrine in the life of a Christian. Right thinking about all spiritual matters is imperative if we would have right living. Sound character does not grow out of unsound teaching. And that's why the church must give constant attention to doctrine. For rogue teaching and heresies are always a threat to the biblical integrity of the people of God. Like the church at Berea. The church must constantly examine its beliefs by Scripture. Have you noticed that in the New Testament there is no letter addressed to the Bereans? Now there's the letter that's addressed to the Galatians because they had started following a different gospel. And there's a, a letter that's written to the Corinthians because they, were, they had all kinds of problems. They had divisions in the church and immorality in the church and all kinds of problems. But there's no letter to the Bereans. Now, why is that? Well, perhaps it's because whatever they were being taught, they always tested according to the Scripture. It's found in Acts chapter 17. Even when the apostle came, they would listen to what the apostle said, and they would go back to Scripture and see if what the apostle taught was in accordance with Scripture. And like the Christians of ancient Berea, our church must continually examine its beliefs by Scripture. Heresies need to be confronted and corrected Based on scriptural authority, false teachers need to be revealed and removed from fellowship if they refuse to repent. The church cannot be passive about false teaching, but must protect the purity of the Christian faith and doctrine being submissive to the Bible. To be negligent in this matter is to be exposed to the many dangers of false doctrine and false teachers. False doctrine leads to instability and confusion. Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. We're not solidly unified in the faith, and we're going to be subject to the buffeting and of passing waves and winds of false doctrine. And the and the buffeting can manifest in quarrels and arguments. 2 Timothy chapter 2 says, Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not have need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people to more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who swerve from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. The faith of some was being disturbed. The apostle Paul warned against false teachers in many places. One of those is found in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He said, As I urged you when I went on to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, Nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. These promote controversies rather than God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Now, some have wandered away from these and turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they're talking about or what they so confidently affirm. Now, we know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is not made for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for adulterers and perverts, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine. Such behavior is contrary to sound doctrine. Now, Scripture provides many warning uh, signs, many many red flags, if you will, about false teachers. They are described as being cruel, deceitful, greedy, ungodly, arrogant, ignorant, corrupt, and reprobate. And if you come across a pastor or teacher with these characteristics, be very wary 1 Corinthians 6 says, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit, he's arrogant, he understands nothing, he's ignorant, he has an unhealthy craving for controversy, he loves arguments, and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction. Among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain. They're in it for the power, prestige, or prosperity. Romans 16 says, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions. And put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Jesus, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. The Bible says, watch out, watch out. Now, we have briefly considered the benefits of sound doctrine, the dangers of false doctrine and false teachers. What then are the core essential doctrines of Christian faith? Well, descriptions of these core essential doctrines vary Uh, But oftentimes, the variance is related to how the doctrine is described. Remember that this is the effort of a human or a group of humans to encapsulate in their own words a summary of what the Bible teaches about a particular topic. And as such, one person will use one set of words and one emphasis, another person will use another set of words and another emphasis.
0: And those different emphases tend to put our church buildings on different corners, don't they? (laughs) A longtime friend of mine, the late Andre Crouch, used to say, Mike, you and I have the same foundational Christian beliefs, but we have different amen chords. Hmm. Nice way to put it. You're listening to a study of church doctrine with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. On the web at highlands.us, this ministry is called Verse by Verse and is on the web at studyversebyverse.com. During the week, Church of the Highlands offers a variety of growth groups which are designed to dig into the Bible for more study and then support one another spiritually. If you'd like more information about the growth groups available at Church of the Highlands, You'll find those details on the web at highlands.us or give them a call at 650-873-4095. I hope you can join us tomorrow at the same time as we share Part 3 of this study, Verse by Verse.